welcome to another edition of Look Who's Talking. I'm Anna Larkin, and here on the show this month, I have regulars Stephen Kurt. Hello. And Nathan Larkin. Hello. Plus our special guest for this month, and it's great to have her here, Parish Administrator of Christchurch and St. John's, Elizabeth Hill. Hello. In this month's edition, we'll be talking about harvest at Christchurch, and particularly the craft and produce fair. We'll be talking about scramblers, our group for three to five-year-olds, and Freedom Sunday and what that was all about. We'll also be getting a sneak preview into what's coming up at Christchurch during November, and an even greater exclusive in a behind-the-scenes look at what happens in the church office. But let's start off talking about Harvest and our celebrations here, which took the form of our normal Sunday morning United service, but also, for the first time, a craft and produce show. So, Stephen, if I can come to you first, what was that all about? Well, it was the brainchild of Ros Sainsbury, who is part of the fun committee, and we were looking for something to do at Harvest, something that would uh, involve celebrating the you know, good gifts of God's creation and something that would include as many people as possible. And it was Ross Sainsbury who came up with the idea of this craft and produce show. And none of the rest of us on the fun committee, I think it's fair to say, were quite sure what it was going to be like, but Ross had so much enthusiasm for it. And she came up with all these different classes or categories for different people uh, to enter. And I think in the end we had 247 entries Whoa. in numerous categories, uh, people baking bread, people making jam, mm. people also making clothes, uh, people uh, painting photography, pictures, yeah. photography. And it was really, you know, really fantastic. Mm. And um, not to embarrass you, Stephen, but I think um, on the panel today, everybody except you won a prize. <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, I must admit, I didn't enter because I felt that it would put undue pressure upon the judges. It was judged anonymously. It was judged anonymously, <laughs> but I felt the skill of my work might give itself oh, away too yeah. much. Oh. So what I did enjoy, and all my family entered, you know, yep, my, yep, my, my teenage son made cheese scones, scones I think. or something yeah. like they that. They were really nice. I tried uh, them. Yeah, they were and very Abigail nice. Abigail won a couple of prizes, didn't Abigail she? Abigail did win a couple of prizes, my youngest daughter as well, yeah. But I, what I really, really enjoyed was, and, and was surprised by, if I'm honest, was going around the the display that took place afterwards, and seeing all these amazing talents and gifts mm. uh, that we had. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't believe, how many did you say, Andrew? Well, 247 entries, including your quiche. Yes, well, you did say I, I, <laughs> I, I won a prize. I don't know if that's quite fair. I was the only entrant in the quiche category. In fact, both Anna and I chose our uh, categories very wisely. So we did you deliberately choose categories that you thought there'd be minimal competition? <laughs> no, not deliberately. <laughs> no, I, I, just, I just so happened to make an excellent quiche and I just thought, well, I'll, I'll go for that. And, and Anna, uh, you won on your Dundee cake or something I did, like that? yes. And even though I was the only entrant, Ros Sainsbury's mum, who I think is judged for the WI, told Ooh. me that my cake was so good that I probably would have won even if other people had done it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my cake. There's no way of proving well. that, is there? Well, the, te the test cake that you made and you brought into the office and uh, asked me to sample was oh, yeah. very oh, delicious. I, see. So yeah, yeah. I had a lot, I see. Of, a lot of help and guidance along the way from Elizabeth. <laughs> who, who won a category? Is that right? Um, I did. Uh, well, no, I didn't win the category. I came third in the bread category. So. Uh, there's um, a lot of competition in the bread was, category yes. as no, well. I was yeah, quite yeah, happy with that. Right. Um, yep, and actually, there was uh, some of your bread left over at the Harvest lunch the next day, and I tried it, and it was very nice. Yes, <laughs> yes, I brought <laughs> it back for the Harvest. First and second place ones must have been incredible. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, that was really nice, the fact that um, the next day we had our Harvest lunch and everyone brought some food to share, but the fact that some of these prize-winning mm. breads and cakes and 
I don't know what else was left over, was there to eat and sample and enjoy together. And yeah. Was anyone else surprised by the quality? I mean, I, I was staggered. I didn't expect to see... Um, I thought it would be a mass jam-making exercise or something like that. I never realised we'd have the quality... And the variety? Or, well, yeah, I mean, in the... Was it embroidery or, or mm. needlework? Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah, I think um, Joan... Um, yeah, Joan Stone won that, member yeah. of Grapevine, with a staggering quilt. Uh, but second and third. And that was all stitched by hand. Absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't even done on a machine. <laughs> it's amazing. It's extraordinary. Yeah. And Joy Devis, I think, won second and Grace Hughes third. Yeah. Amazing quality. Well, did you, you see um, yeah. Esther Ferguson won um, and Lucy Ferguson? Oh. They came first and second in the knitting. Lucy category. had knitted Lucy a Dalek. Won it. She yeah. knitted a Dalek. Well, I was told she was doing that night and day for about a month. It, was so it looked cool. amazing. It looked it really did. good. And the paintings were extraordinary. I mean, we had Andrew Avery. Uh, and Frank Dobson, who both go to the 11 o'clock service, doing staggering quality of painting. And I think Christine Sherlock from Grapevine, again, uh, won the painting. But <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe the quality that was there. One of the things I loved about that Harvest um, sort of show was the way that uh, fairly quiet people um, were sort of exposed as having these sort of staggering talents well, that no one might have been aware of. Did you see the crowd that was standing around Angela Morgan's chutney when it was <laughs> open for viewing? <laughs> It was, well, a, it was told, a courgette chutney, uh, I think, and it was, it was I, yeah. green, but it looked, it looked really, really good. It looked amazing. And I think the lady who judged it asked for the recipe, didn't she? Uh, she did, apparently. Yeah, there were external judges. I think it was felt, largely external judges. I think it was felt fair to have people from outside of Christchurch sort of judging. Um, but yeah, no, Sue Wilson was very impressed with Angela Morgan's chutney. Mm. Um, so, Elizabeth, if I can bring you in a bit more at this point... What were your favourite items on the day? Did you come back and view it? What uh, stood out for you? I did come back and view, and um, I think one of the things I liked was the children's entries. Mm. There were a lot of um, artistic animal things and some quite spectacular um, junk modelling animals. And uh, I, it took me back and I thought, well, I'm quite glad I've got past the stage of junk <laughs> modelling. <laughs> but uh, it is fun while it lasts. And, uh, yeah, I think another thing that really struck me um, about the day was how many people were involved and, mm. and the range. Mm. There were people who'd been at Christchurch for what felt like donkey's years and other people who were probably comparative newcomers. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think Roz was perhaps a little bit worried in the, you know, in the couple of weeks before because she felt she hadn't had that many entries. But she needn't have worried because obviously lots of people were... Um, scurrying around in the background and putting their entries in at the last minute. Yeah. Yes. But um, well, I mean, some of those things had obviously taken people ages and ages to do, so they must have been working on them through yeah. the summer. I, actually, I, I also really loved that um, so many of the people were really surprised to hear uh, the praise that their items were given. And I think it, it was the, it, what was lovely was this kind of real attitude of humility that people. Um, brought along their their things and and entered it for the fun of entering it and the and the chance to show their creativity. It was but quite tough judging in places though, wasn't it? There were one or two people disqualified for having eight inch baking tins rather than seven inch for their Victoria sponges and things like that. There were. <laughs> there were. In fact one of the ones disqualified was my favourite Victoria sponge. It looked amazing. Yeah, yeah. But the rules, Nathan, when yeah. it comes to Victoria sponges. The, the other thing that I think should be commented on is the, is the lunch the next day, which mm. was fantastic. It was. Um, and, you know, another opportunity to have all the various different strands of Christchurch coming together uh, at a really crucial uh, point in the church's calendar because Harvest is our big opportunity to thank God for 
uh, all the wonderful things that he's given us in creation. And so to have that done by sharing a meal, but also to have it done by people being able to show their creativity and their sort of nurturing mm. of God's creation uh, was also sort of, you know, a real fantastic high point. Absolutely. Yes. Well, let's move on now and talk a little bit about Scramblers. Um, Scramblers is the group that meets in the vestry hall on a Sunday morning, and it's for three to five-year-olds, so it's the group just above Tiddlywinks. And um, Roz, who arranged the Harvest um, show, she, she's one of the leaders of it, but Elizabeth Hill is as well. Um, so um, tell us a bit about Scramblers. You know, how, how many children do you get? What, what do you do on a normal Sunday morning? Well, we, we go out after, after the children's song, so everybody's in church for the first 10 to 15 minutes, and then we all troop down to the vestry hall. Um, the children are brought down there by their parents, and they take them to whichever table that they um, belong to, uh, so we can register them, know who we've got. We've got something like 60 children, I think, on the register, but... Um, Thankfully, not all of them come every week, so I think we would have trouble coping. Yeah. We have, um, we've averaged 30 children a week uh, wow. this term, which wow. is quite a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's quite fit? a handful. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've, we've got five tables, and most of the people, most of the table leaders are there each week, or some of them are, are shared and alternate weeks, and then we have our helper who, who are there on a monthly rotor. Right. But the, um, the children, they, they start off on the carpet, and the first thing we always do is open with a prayer, which uh, finishes with the Scrambler's Amen, which always um, <laughs> amuse, <laughs> amuses people who haven't seen it before. But um, I think Ros saw this done somewhere else and, and, and picked up the idea. But basically, everybody crouches down low, and then you spring up with your arms in the air, and you shout, Amen, very loudly. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we do that twice. Sounds like, we should <laughs> sounds like we should adopt that here in church. Oh, yeah, we could. Bring yeah. all our main services. I think we should. Make sure everyone stays awake. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, th then, then it'll move on to um, a story from the Bible, which is uh, usually acted out in some way, either acted out using the children or some of the adults. or oh, cool. with them. Um, we've got puppets. We use as Ooh, well nice. mm. and uh, so and that, that will that could be all sorts of things we we range right the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament and we've we deal with some of the um, well not not necessarily the things that, that spring to mind when it's you quite talk some about interesting children I remember when you were doing the story of Rahab and yes uh, indeed she, she ran a bed and breakfast that's right <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd imagine there's a few things we need to be a bit delicate that's about as you're teaching them. <laughs> We didn't feel it was um, appropriate to use quite the same language that the Bible does in describing, yes. in describing her, <laughs> her occupation, but um, it didn't detract from the, from the story. And yep. yeah, we, we, we've done, um, yes, and likewise when we did Esther, we, uh, we went light on the gory hanging bits. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably wise. Well, the puppet show really makes it come alive, doesn't it? I mean, I've seen the Scrambler's Christmas Party, which I'm invited to annually, oh. and they were glued to the sort of puppet show they had there, and I think you used the puppets. We have then. different sorts of puppets. We have the, we have the Scrambler's Puppet Show. Right. Um, we, uh, we also have glove puppets, yep. and sometimes we have puppets on sticks. The children really like those, and I think anything where the children can get involved, they really enjoy. Mm. And so sometimes we'll have them, uh, you know, acting out bits of the story and, uh, you know, pretending to do things. And uh, that's the sort of thing they really like. And um, Yeah, am I right in saying that when, when uh, you've got a few of the young people that uh, when they get a bit old, too old for encounter, 
they end up going all the way back to the start and helping out at, uh, at yes indeed the we do we do and they you know they are very valuable helpers because they are generally speaking they're there every week okay and they really get to know the children so who've you got in there so got we've got um, James Kurt who is uh, plays the piano sometimes doesn't he is that he right? does yeah. he does play the piano cool. for us sometimes and um, we've got Hannah Matthews oh brilliant. Um, who's a, a year younger, I think, and, yeah. uh, and also comes and helps us every week. So anyway, w yeah, well, after we've done the, the Bible story, we'll probably have a song or something, which will be something fairly well-known, or it will have new words to a well-known tune. Um, and then the children go off to the tables, and we, we, we make something. So uh, it might be a colouring activity, or it might be a cutting and sticking activity, yeah. or a cut out and make some sort of puppet, or... Or Great. something like that. I actually, I love seeing something them come through to take the lounge with, with the, yeah. all the exciting things they've made. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I heard um, Andy, who was uh, one of the first guests on Look Who's Talking, told me about how he started to come to Christchurch. And uh, he and Catherine, his wife, had moved to the area and always intended to find a church, but just not, um, not quite found one yet. And um, as they were walking through the high street in New Malden one Sunday afternoon, they seen all these kids walking about with these crafts, these things they'd made, and they looked and they said, I want to know where they've come from. So they, they I don't know, well, it was like the Pied Piper, they followed the kids back to the church. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite know how they found out, but they did come, and that's, you know, years on. Yeah, and it, it is very interesting the way in which, I mean, the work that's done at Scramblers is crucial for the children themselves, of course it is, and they're its primary target. But it is very moving seeing the influence on the parents because mm. the children come back into the lounge afterwards with the stuff they've made full of enthusiasm. And the parents, who in many cases are relative newcomers to church, see their children so enthused and sort mm. of inspired. And I think it does uh, sort of challenge all of us to really believe that what Jesus said about coming to God like a little child is really true. Mm. Um, and so much of the importance of what we're doing at Christchurch is sort of enshrined by trying to put loads of effort into our children's work and our work with young people. But I always think that's not just good for the children when a church is like that. It energizes the church as a whole. You know, children yeah. bring so much enthusiasm and so much sort of faith, really, into church that the whole church is lifted uh, by their presence. So the work that the leaders are doing in Scramblers and Tiddlywinks and Climbers and Explorers and Encounter is absolutely crucial. And I'm particularly grateful to uh, the leaders who do it every single week because... Um, the 7-Up service means that Encounter and Explorer leaders get a bit of a break. We do. But the leaders <laughs> of Scramblers and Tiddlywinks and Climbers produce high-quality, excellent children's work mm. week after week Every after week. week. Because there must be a huge amount of planning that goes in through the week and obviously a lot of energy put in on this Sunday morning. So what, what motivates you, Elizabeth, and the rest of your leaders? What motivates you to keep going? Um, well, it, it is good fun as well. I mean, mm. it, it's worth saying that. And I think it is, um, it's like anything you do as a team. You, you know, you get a lot out of it from working with other people, yeah. don't you? But I think the thing that got me into it, um, apart from the fact that somebody came and sort of <laughs> 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 twisted my arm and I started out once a month. Um, this was before the days of the 9.30 service. This was back when Scramblers was at the old 10.45 service. But um, so I started in a small way. And then when the 9.30 service started, I said, OK, right, I'll, I'll do this every week. Mm. Um, but I really grateful for all that my daughters gained um, growing up through this church, um, for all the people who gave them time um, in Sunday schools and uh, other, you know, youth and children's work. And, uh, you know, although they're now 21 and 24, mm. I'm, I'm really glad to be able to give something back and to do something for 
other children coming through. Mm. And I think, you know, they do learn all sorts of things from it, and it's surprising what they do remember. But I mm. think the one big message we want them to take home is that God loves them. Yeah. Mm. And that's, that's what we all want to know, really, isn't mm. it? Absolutely. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, moving on from that, um, we had Freedom Sunday just last week. Um, and Emily Chalk, who's actually one of Stephen's ex-students from his teaching days, came along to speak to us. Um, so it was all about trafficking, um, and, and we did talk quite a bit about human trafficking on the la last podcast, so we won't go too much into that. But Emily came to speak to us about something that she is setting up at the moment called Ella's Home, which is a safe house for women who are escaping from prostitution. Um, and, um, and she spoke at all three services on Sunday, and, um, and I thought it was really interesting, really fantastic. Um, but um, Nathan, what did you think? Yeah, equally, I, I, I found it fascinating. Um, I wasn't able, I know some people, some brave people were at all three services, <laughs> I, including um, Emily, of course, who was there, yep. so it's a huge thanks to her. At the end of it. Yeah, she, she seemed fairly wiped out, so we, we hugely appreciated her coming along and sharing, but, um, I was there at 6.30 and was just so impressed by the fact that, you know, we've heard a lot, um, we spoke a lot on last uh, month's edition of Look Who's Talking about trafficking and the issue of global slavery and, and, and loads of these issues that we're becoming more and more aware of. Um, but to meet someone who's there on the front line doing it, um, who is trying to deal with you know, these, these girls that are um, escaping from prostitution and trafficking, it, it was just really uh, inspiring. Um, it was quite a draining day, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd also, with it being Freedom Sunday, which was, um, I think, a stop the traffic uh, initiative throughout yeah. churches throughout the UK, um, uh, we decided that we'd also, um, in the youth groups, bring someone along. So we, we brought uh, Josh, who's a guy who's just started coming to Christchurch and is working at uh, Tear Fund. And we brought him along to both encounter and engage. And, uh, and he was talking about the No Child Taking campaign and a lot about these issues. And, and so it felt like, um, you know, all day I was, I was hearing about it. And it's, it's, just, uh, it's just such a huge challenge to us, I think, as a church and as a community to respond. Yeah. I mean, absolutely inspiring, though, wasn't it? To yeah. see uh, the difference of someone having a huge calling to do that work. Uh, I mean, I've known Emily since she was 16 and came into my A-level religious studies uh, class along with... Uh, I remember it being a fantastic bunch of really committed Christians in that class and it being a huge privilege uh, to teach them. And they were very sort of open about their faith, all in a fairly quiet and understated sort of way. But apparently one of the things that came up in Emily's sermon was that she remembers telling her best mate Cassie, who you know, was with her in that sixth form class, but apparently when they were back at the age of 11, that that was the sort of work she wanted to do, which is, it is quite staggering. Yeah, but it did remind me of the amount of people I've met who are now sort of really quite on in years, who developed some huge calling to be a missionary from here in Gladys Aylward when they were 11 or 12 mm. or something like that. So I think quite often, particularly for women perhaps, that's the sort of crucial age being called to some Apparently amazing so. work. <laughs> so Elizabeth, you were at the 6.30 service as well last Sunday, weren't you? Yes, indeed, yeah. Um, and what, what stuck out for you? Um, I was just struck, really, at the, you know, the horror, really, that all this stuff is going on mm. around about us, under our noses, yeah. And, and, yeah. and under our radar, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think... I think, you know, obviously, you know, I've heard about prostitution before, but it's only really in the 
more recent years that I've been aware of the, of the link with trafficking. Yeah, and and yeah. I mean, you sometimes, you know, you hear people um, sort of trying to give some credibility to prostitution as, mm. a, as a lifestyle choice. But yeah. I don't think any of these people that you hear about are in it for a, a lifestyle choice. Yeah. And, and, and it's, the, it's the exploitation and yeah. the, um, the vulnerability of these people. And I think she gave an example of um, somebody who had been a student mm. and she'd, yeah. she'd gone missing and nobody had missed her. Yeah. Yes. She'd been away for a year. And story. And, uh, yeah, mm. that's right. And I think she, this, this person had grown up in care and so she didn't have parents in quite mm. the same way that, that many of us are yeah. fortunate enough to have. But, you know, the fact that she could just go missing and nobody miss her and wonder where she was Absolutely. just, just seemed terrific. terrifying. The other thing that really um, jumped out at me was when Emily said, in really an aside about, you know, was she asked if she hated men yeah. as a result of doing this? And she said, in a very undemonstrative sort of way, she said, well, no, because... Um, you know, they're damaged as well. Uh, so even when she's spoken to people who went out to Bangkok purely to uh, sort of exploit prostitutes, there was real compassion in what she said. And she's seen the brokenness in them. You know, yeah, so which, was, which was really challenging as well, because I think most of us do want to naturally divide up the world into goodies and baddies. Yeah, and black and, and white. And yes. Punish the baddies and sort of save the goodies. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, in no way to, to sort of undermine anything about the absolute evil of trafficking and prostitution. But I, I just got the strong impression that sort of Emily's compassion and love was really powerful because of having compassion for everyone involved. Yeah, and I mean, it was easy. Uh, it could be easy to think that, you know, you know, she went to Thailand and this is where uh, she experienced that. But, you know, I think what really brought it home to me is she's, she's setting this house up here in the UK. It's, it's happening here, right under our noses. It's not something Absolutely. that's distant and someone else's problem. Yeah. It's, it's something for all of us to respond to. And wonderful that people at Christchurch um, responded so powerfully. Absolutely. Because, you know, we said all the uh, money given in loose offering collections would go to Ella's home. I never imagined that £1,500 will come in, which does show us how much money people bring to church with them, which is interesting. Uh, on a Sunday, <laughs> so perhaps we can <laughs> tap into that a little bit. <laughs> we can tap into it a little bit more. But it was wonderful that actually the response was so strong. Yes, mm. and I think more money has continued to come in um, through the week. And for anybody listening who wasn't able to give um, on Sunday, it is possible to donate through the website, and you can also gift aid your donation. So the website is ellas-home.com, and there is a link there which tells you everything you need to know to be able to donate right there online. And I think there's a link from our website to the Ellas Home website okay. as well. Yep. Yes, so very, very easy for everybody to find. Um, so Harvest Sunday and Freedom Sunday were two of the big events at Christchurch during October, but November is nearly upon us now, and so it's another one of those exclusive moments. We're going to have a look oh. at the November preaching programme. Let's have a look. So we are starting... <laughs> it is being revealed to people. <laughs> am <I>, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I dying for? No, fortunately, I think I've got not, a break. You've got a break, you've got I a break, do. Nathan. So um, we've got a few new series starting. In the, in the 9.30 service, we're going to be looking at making a Christian response to things that scare us. Mm. And some of the sermons I can see on the program here are the threat of failure, the threat of terrorism, um, Ebola, and, and then later on we'll be looking at the difference that mission can make. But Stephen, tell us um, a bit about the thinking behind this series. Yeah, well, I think that fear is 
one of the biggest spiritual issues that we face. I think most of the worst things that we do in life are usually connected to our fears. A lot of the things that we should do and we don't are connected Absolutely. to fear. And so what I wanted to do in this series was to particularly name those things which often people are rather fearful about. And uh, failure is a sort of general fear. But with the growth of uh, IS, um, the threat of terrorism sort of appearing more strongly in Britain is quite a mm. uh, worry that a lot of people have. And of course, Ebola as well, uh, this deadly virus. Although mm. I think one of the things I'm hoping will come out in those sermons is that we sometimes can respond to our fears purely personally, but what we should be fearful about is the amount of people who are being killed by Ebola in West Africa at the moment, by those who have a constant threat of terrorism, and what are we actually doing uh, about those situations? Yeah, I think the challenge can be that uh, the fear of these things that happen somewhere else coming to us yep. and affecting us, whereas actually, you know, I think these things, uh, even if they're not happening right here and they're not directly affecting us, is something that we all need to um, Yes, it's a very real thing for with. other people in other parts of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then at 6.30, we're starting a new sermon series, uh, one that I'm personally very excited about, on theology and literature. Mm. Um, and we're going to have David Taylor speaking to us on the theology of Jane Eyre, which I think is his favourite book. Yep. Uh, followed by David Lofman, who'll be speaking to us on the theology of the Great Gatsby. And then Stephen's going to be rounding it off with the theology of Gone with the Wind. Um, so what was the thinking behind that sermon series? Well, I suppose it was pretty much inspired by what we did uh, a little while ago at the 930 oh, service yeah, the when we looked at theology the through fairy, fairy tales. tales. Yeah. yeah, and we looked at Frozen and Beauty and the Beast and Shrek. And what I was trying to do in that series of talks was to make the connection between things that resonate, which uh, you know these sort of stories and films very often do with people, and explain really or draw out that that's because they very often do convey at a very deep level either things that are true or things that people badly want to be true. Mm. And that made quite an impact in 9.30 and people seemed to find it quite helpful and it was making a connection between things that people already experienced and enjoyed and uh, the Christian message. And so I suppose it probably influenced me to think, well, how could we do this in other, in other ways? And great literature uh, very often uh, conveys very profound truths and uh, really what we'd be trying to do in this series is to unpack and explore um, how these truths relate to the truths revealed in the Bible and mm. in Christianity. Mm. Yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, yes. quite a challenge. I mean, David Taylor, you know, loves Jane Eyre. I think he was quite surprised when I burst into the office and yeah, said, right, David, you're doing a sermon book, on is it. Right? Yes. <laughs> he's very excited about that, he actually. Yeah, he's, he's working uh, hard, He's he? working hard. He's finding all these pictures of all the different people who've uh, played Rochester. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think has been roped in to help him with the PowerPoint and that. Yes, and Elizabeth was helping him today as well. <laughs> yep. So hopefully it will be a good series and hopefully a further part of what we're trying to do a lot at Christchurch, which is integrate our Christian faith into everything around us. You know, we mm. don't really want to accept that there's a sacred secular divide, Abs yeah. that there are certain things to do with God stuff, and then there's our normal everyday life. So both that series at 9.30 and the series at 6.30 are really trying to challenge a sort of disintegration with uh, an approach that says actually God can be seen and the God revealed in Jesus Christ can be seen in absolutely everything. Sometimes not particularly clearly, sometimes with points of great clarity, but often it's a very accessible way of drawing out what Christianity is all about.
Mm. And then I see the 11 o'clock service. They're continuing their series on 2 Samuel, that they're doing the second part of 2 Samuel. So I think they've just done David under the blessing and are moving on to David under, under the, the curse. curse. Yeah, well, the first half of 2 Samuel, David becomes king. Things seem to go very, very well. It seems that Israel's being enormously blessed by God. Then things start to unravel in the second half of 2 Samuel. And you get the famous story of David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11 to 12. And from that point, it really all seems to start unraveling. And even though a lot of it's quite depressing stuff, what it does do is point us even more clearly ahead to uh, why God uh, sent Jesus to bring the sort of the completion uh, of his kingdom and what God's rule was really meant to be all about. But on, on Remembrance Sunday, we're sort of taking a break from going through uh, to Samuel, sort of chapter by chapter, and Ruth Henson's going to be uh, preaching on what do we learn from King David about war. So she's going to be trying to draw all the various different strands of the, okay. the stuff involving David. Yes, in and fact, warfare. I can see that it's quite an interesting new take on Remembrance Sunday all around because in the morning we'll be looking at the threat of terrorism, which yeah. is you know the biggest threat of war that we we have here yeah. in the UK at the moment, um, and then obviously what we can learn about King King David and how he. Uh, went about war but even in the evening service uh, the theology of the great Gatsby which of course was set directly in between the two the two wars and although you know that hadn't occurred to me oh, Alan, you're it. seeing <laughs> sort of ingenuity in the must preaching program must have been the Holy Spirit yeah, so a lot about you know that although the great Gatsby isn't um, directly about yep. war um, it is set against the backdrop of a war and a lot of the disillusionment that came ah. about from the war. So you should be preaching in the series, Anna. Are you making a bid? Well, no, no, not <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> So, Elizabeth, what are you particularly looking forward to? I mean, I, I know you um, miss out on hearing a lot of the 9.30 service sermons live as you're in scramblers, but I'm sure if there are interesting ones, you listen online afterwards. Yeah, I do, I do, actually. I, um, I listen to quite a few of the 11 o'clock services. Um, series as well, uh, yeah, and and that is a really valuable resource that we've got. I think I think one of the things that I value is is the diversity, really, both in terms of the diversity of preachers that we have, and also in the um, different approaches. So that you know, sometimes we're going through books of the Bible and uh, and those sorts of things you know, are one way of approaching things, and sometimes the, this topical thing sort yeah. of. Um, brings things alive to you in a way that, you know, you might not get if you were just plodding through the Bible chapter yeah. by chapter. It reminds yeah. us that the Bible is relevant to each of these things. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely, not, um, absolutely. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm particularly looking forward to you. I just noticed there at the end of the month is... Um, it's Mission Sunday, yep. and we've got Rachel Cook down speaking twice. So is she coming all the way down yeah, from Durham? Yeah, she's coming down from Durham. She is the youngest preacher, to my knowledge, that Christchurch has ever had at the age of 19. <laughs> and she preached at the 6.30 service not long after she got back from Tanzania about you know, what her experience is there. And we wanted to make the theme of this Mission Sunday this year, the difference that mission makes. Um, because overseas mission, by definition, ha happens quite a distance away from Christchurch, uh, we want people to hear stories from the coalface, as it were, uh, of you know, the difference that mission has made to people. So there'll be lots of stories, I hope, and lots of sort of inspiring stuff to help us to get further behind uh, mission away from New Morden. There's quite a lot of mission we're doing locally, but our mission away from New Morden, both in other parts of the country and overseas, 
Uh, I mean, it was so it was fantastic the way everybody got behind Rachel yeah. when, yeah. when she yeah. went out, wasn't it? Yeah. And, it was. and and in the run up to it with the car wash and all we the had other great fun with the car wash fundraising, <laughs> fundraising <laughs> things, and then you know the fact that she kept a blog and we were able Absolutely. to keep people in contact mm. with her and and um, yeah, it I really did feel like we were sending her as a church yeah. and that we were yeah. really behind. Yeah. Her. And, and I think what it, yeah. I think what we didn't realise particularly before she went was that all that money that she was raising was going to the project. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't yes. for her flights. No, that's right. And so to see when she came back and she showed us pictures of, of them building uh, that toilet block that she'd done. Mm. It, was, it was astonishing, really, what could be achieved yep. with, yeah. Absolutely. with the money. It's incredible. Absolutely. And we've also we've got another um, external speaker coming in the evening as well, haven't we? Jeremy Nash. Yeah, Jeremy Nash, who's one of our mission partners, particularly attached to St. John's, but also supported by Christchurch. And uh, yeah, he'll be, he'll be doing much the same, I hope, telling stories about the difference that mission makes. Mm. Well, on to our last subject on this edition. Um, we are going to be discussing the church office and in particular Ooh. the role <laughs> of the parish administrator, um, Elizabeth Hill. Um, but before we come to you, Elizabeth, Stephen, what do you see as being the role of the office and the office staff? Well, administration is a really crucial part of running a church effectively, particularly a church the size of Christchurch. Yeah. And this is where we're very fortunate because a lot of clergy, a lot of vicars, church leaders generally, are often doing a lot of their administration themselves. And very often they are chasing their tails the whole time, trying to really act as an administrator at the same time as act as a pastor and lead services and preach and all the other things that clergy are doing. So I think it was around about 25 years ago that Christchurch... Uh, started the role of administrator. Tony Penny was the first one. There have been various people. Uh, was Tony? Uh, Tony Penny was administrator. Yeah, he wow. was the very first one. I think there was somebody before him. Oh, was there? There was. I oh, can't I remember the name, ah, but there right. was somebody for a short time before ah, him. Right. But anyway, they, they play a <coughs> crucial role. And having an office here uh, at Christchurch, you know, staffed by Elizabeth as administrator and Anna more recently as administrative assistant, uh, really does make a huge difference. There's loads that I and I guess the same goes for Nathan and mm. other um, people sort of involved in, in sort of ministry at the church are freed up to do because of this ministry of administration, which is yeah, a ministry definitely. as well. So yeah, we're very, very, we're very, very fortunate. <laughs> so Elizabeth, coming to you now, how long have you been administrator and what are, what are your main responsibilities and what do you find are your major challenges that Careful, you face? Careful, you don't mention the vicar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes. <laughs> um, I've been administrator since uh, 2006. It was, uh, I started in the at the beginning of the interregnum uh, when Stuart Downey retired. Mm -hmm. And uh, to start with, it was uh, two mornings a week I did and I job shared with uh, Sarah Parker for, um, for about one term just to sort of find out what it was all about really. And it was certainly, uh, you know, jumped in at the deep end. I hadn't ever done anything like that before. So um, I didn't really know what to expect. Mm. I'd been out of paid employment since before my children were born. So um, yeah, it was, quite a <laughs> it was quite a new venture for me. But I mean, I do really enjoy it. It is, you know, it's definitely the most um, enjoyable job I've had. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's the first time I've heard you say that. <laughs> well, there we After are. After all these years. <laughs> I mean, it's, it. it's, it's very diverse. I mean, when you, when you say, what, it, what do we do? I mean, I'm just trying to think what we do do. But we, we, we 
we're jolly busy, aren't we? Yeah, yes. um, we always seem know. to have a huge to-do <laughs> list. On, there, there is a huge diversity of things from, from you know, getting somebody in to unblock the drains and, uh, you know, ordering coffee and toilet paper and making sure the photocopier's running and... Uh, Bookings is a big part yeah, of Yeah, I mean, booking, booking rooms, uh, liaising with our caretaker, David Taylor, about making sure the heating comes on for the people who've got, you know, room bookings. Mm. Um, imagine baptisms and Yeah, baptisms, and weddings, 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 funerals. Yep. funerals. Um, you know, dealing with uh, callers to the office. It's also it's important to, to point out that the, the church office is, in fact, the parish office. So it's yep. the office for Absolutely. St. John's as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, St. John's is on Kingston Road, just opposite home base. So yeah. we're their parish quite, office Quite too. a proportion of our work is, is for St. John's, and uh, in particular, Anna's uh, job of, you know, you do some of the, a uh, lot of the sort of paperwork, don't you? The, yes. For the things for services, week by week, notice mm. sheets and... Uh, and then you manage their bookings that they yeah, have through the week. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Even yeah. I think some of the money goes through the office, so I don't know who has to count that. Or yeah, <laughs> well, that we're, we're both well. involved with money in a different way. Yes. Anne, Anne is involved with um, getting the money in, and I'm involved in spending it. You know what? <laughs> yeah. It always, I always think if I come in on a Monday, which I don't normally, because it's my day off, but I always feel it must be a little bit like sort of when you know, Matthew, the tax collector, was confronted by Jesus, because you're sitting there counting money. Yes, and, uh, in a of it on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't tell people that. Well, I'm not sure. Only that's the best thing to bring up. listening, uh, yes. we have very good security. <laughs> yes. And, um, and Tom Douglas, it works from the, the office on a Monday as well. He's the treasurer. Yeah, that, I mean, that's something that he started fairly recently. He used to come in on a Friday, and that was also useful. But now he comes in on a Monday, and y you count the money together. But yes. that's, that's very useful to have this link with the treasurer because, mm. I mean, quite, quite a, you know, some of the work that we do is to take the burden. It's not just off the clergy, but it's also off the church yeah. wardens and the mm. treasurer. Um, yeah. So, for example, I have delegated responsibility to pay most of the bills and, you know, liaise with the bank, direct debits, standing orders, all those sorts of things. And then, of course, you're very involved with the administration of the uh, giving back scheme. Yes. Um, and so to have that weekly contact with our treasurer is very valuable. Yes, yep. it is, yeah. yeah. And yeah, Anna, so you, you are also, you, you can stay quiet there, but you're also in the, in the office. Yeah, how long have you been working there now, Anna? Uh, since March. And you had that great interview, didn't you? I did, yes. <laughs> Certainly yeah. one of the more say, interesting well, interviews. When, when, when we interviewed Anna, and this, Elizabeth was just as culpable as me, actually. We decided <laughs> I don't think she was. The advice that we got was to test the skills that we wanted in as many ways as possible. And that didn't just involve sort of written exercises, that also involved role play, which was your favourite part of the interview process, uh, no, wasn't it? No, it was Anna? your favourite part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just got to say, I, I, I played the part of uh, an unwelcome caller at the church office who came in and wanted to camp down sort of and basically in the morning and talk about things. cauliflower? That, That's right, that yeah. I don't want to talk about anything, really. <laughs> and Anna had to sort of talk to me politely but get rid of me fairly quickly. And then you had to take a phone call, didn't you, from Helen Trant Stevenson, who was an yes. irate parent wanting to have a birthday party. Yeah. And uh, at, the, at the church. And I can't picture an irate Helen. Yeah, that no, she did it quite well. Yeah, yeah she well. did, yeah. <laughs> oh, and we gave you a battery of um, computer sort of tests as well, didn't we? Things yes, to do with Word documents ones, and actually. proofreading. Yeah. And, yes. uh, yeah, there was a preaching programme with 28 mistakes in it, and you yeah. got virtually all of them. I think I also I found some that weren't intentional. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> 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 that, is, that was to prepare you for what your job is now. That yes, is quite yes. a process. Absolutely. If you think that side stuff, you should see what they did for the US worker. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the official job interview, and then even after I'd been given the job, um, I was prank called by the vicar yeah, during well my first that was few weeks several times. On the times. job training. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, but uh, you've stopped that now. No, I have. I'm thinking <laughs> up more. 
more, more, more imaginative things to test you. Well, you do have, uh, Stephen gave Elizabeth this uh, block of office dares. And yeah, uh, none of which she's used. They're fantastic office <laughs> dares, one for every single day of the year. And to my knowledge, Elizabeth hasn't done anything. Well, if you'd read some of them, some of them, <laughs> <laughs> some of them are not suitable for but the church office. Didn't you two go off on an administrator's jolly recently? We did. A conference. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the same thing. It's, uh, last, last week, we went down to, uh, to Woking, and it's a, it was a, a training day run for administrators in the sort of southwest London and Surrey area. So and were they all wearing anoraks? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, funny enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Moving swiftly. Put me off now. Sorry, you were saying what happened on the conference. Yeah, I'm trying to think what it was actually called. It was... Um, it was all about, it was all about uh, our sort of interaction, really, with other people and mm. uh, our interaction, how, how we're the front face of the church to lots of people yeah. outside the church. The shop yeah. And, um, you know, how, how you deal with people, how you respond to people on the phone, with email, uh, you know, how you, do how you do the things you say or do. And... Um, there was a talk on dealing with tricky customers. Yes. That's well. Well, there you go. Shows the role play was vital. Yes. You, really? yes. I mean, it, it does... Uh, Show just Didn't tell you how to keep the vicar in order, but yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah no, for me it, it just shows how vitally important the office is, and yeah. that you know there are a few different places that may be the first point of contact with the church. One being, I don't know, a website. Another mm. being um, walking in off the street, but uh, and another is is the office and and the the welcome that they get yep. there. The ethos of the church, I feel, comes really strongly through the the way yep. our office staff um, welcome people and. And, and to me, the importance of everyone using the gifts they've been given, you know, the, the whole thing about a church is that it is the ministry of every single member. And so to have people who are particularly skilled at making a church sort of function well administratively is, is just a huge part of the successful sort of delivery of, of what church should be, should be like, really. Mm. And, and one of the most you know, fantastic things, from my point of view, as, as vicar, is seeing people either in paid positions or in voluntary positions sort of grow in to those positions and yeah. find uh, both gifts that they realised that they had before but they didn't realise church wanted to use so much and also other gifts that emerged that they didn't realise that they had. Mm. So uh, that's all part, in my opinion, of what happens in the church office. Yeah, <laughs> one of the things I really um, really appreciate and one of the things I enjoy is the, is the Tuesday morning meeting when yep. we, yeah. and, and the fact that uh, we are... You know, treated as a part yeah. of part of the team, and mm. that it's important. We're not just given a list of things to do, mm. but you know, our, our opinions on things are. Yep. Are no, when I don't when I don't have that <laughs> meeting when it when it's not on and I you know don't get a chance to hear what's happening everywhere else and where everyone is and yeah. um, and to check in with that. Um, I just find my week is just so unfocused. I struggle. Yeah. It, it makes such a difference to to have that time early in the week where we all meet together mm. and we um, share what's happening that week and we keep each other um, on track. And I, I find it fascinating to sit on some of the theological discussions that you're having about, <laughs> why, well, about, about why you're doing yeah, the things that you're yeah, doing. Yeah. And well, I do think, and I've said before on the podcast... I why you do the youth work, the way you do the youth absolutely. work. Absolutely. Yeah. And being crystal clear on why we're doing what we're doing makes the delivery of that stuff, you know, so much better. And, you know, one of the very reasons for doing this podcast is to try to get those sort of conversations out there, the sort of stuff that we talk on... Uh, talk about at staff meetings to try and make sure those conversations and that sort of theological reflection on what we're doing 
so that that gets a wider audience. Yes, hopefully people realise we, we do have some kind of idea why we do things. <laughs> <laughs> We're There's not just winging it. The madness. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, that's all we've got time for um, today. Um, so do remember, for more information about Christchurch, you can visit our website at ccnm.org. We're also on Facebook, if you search for Christchurch New Malden, and we're on Twitter, at CCNM News. That's all from us. See you next month. <laughs>